Welcome back to Tip of the Spear with your Missoula County Commissioners. I'm Commissioner Dave Strohmeyer, and I'm joined here yet again with my fellow commissioners, Juanita Vero and Josh Slotnick. We're also delighted to have with us today Becca Goh, Director of Innovation with Partnership Health Center, and Kiki Rodermacher, Behavioral Health Manager. Uh, we're also joined by John Petroff, a firefighter who is the Operations Manager for the Mobile Support Team. Thank you all for joining us today. Yeah, we're psyched to have you. <laughs> so, John, can you give us some background on the mobile support team? What does it do and what are the goals? Yeah, so we uh, started back in September of 2020 as a pilot program. And our first call was actually November 16th of 2020. And our goal of our program was for jail diversions, emergency department diversions, and to take other responders off of scene, of scenes that are anything from like mental health uh, related to that kind of gray area stuff. So anything where it's not a criminal act, it's not a medical scene, and it's not a fire, we're kind of that fourth response resource for that. Well, I have a question for Kiki then. So when you're talking about a person experiencing a crisis, um, what does that really look like? I think for any person experiencing a crisis, it's it's unique to that individual. It also can be unique to the family or the supports of that specific person. And before really talking about what that looks like, I mean, defining a crisis, I think, is important. In most simple terms, I, I think of a crisis of when a person is faced with a problem that feels insurmountable and they are lacking in supports. There's an aspect of powerlessness to it, and oftentimes that can lead to someone experiencing suicidal ideation, it can lead to homicidal ideation, and then there are other folks in our community that maybe they're experiencing mental illness and it's causing them to be unable to meet their basic needs. So that can look really different to each individual person. Oftentimes these crises can arise when someone's experiencing a breakup, or if they're facing an eviction and they don't have a lot of supports. A lot of the calls that we get, um, that we respond to, 60% um, of the folks are actually housed individuals. And with the housing crisis that we're experiencing right now all over the United States, we're seeing more and more people who are being evicted or they're no longer able to afford their rent. And we get called on a lot of those folks who are just struggling to know what the next option is for them. Whether that they're needing connection to resources, if they're becoming homeless, they may go to like the Pavarello Center or the Johnson Street Shelter during the winter months. And we can kind of help them with that process in not only getting them to a place that they have shelter, but also connecting them to resources afterward. Help me understand what resources means in Missoula County or in, in your, your work. Yeah, we have so many amazing resources in this community. And on the flip side of that, there are also many gaps. And the resources that we do have is there are multiple different mental health clinics and different facilities that we have available that we can link people to. They can get offered psychiatric services, so medication. They can see a therapist. They can get connected to a case manager who then can step in and really support them in getting their needs met in the community. Other resources that we have, like we have the, the Pavarello Center uh, and the Johnson Street Shelter, which are both great facilities that help folks that are unhoused. And then, of course, there's Partnership Health Center, an absolutely amazing facility that we have in town. They offer really an integrative approach to both behavioral health and mental health. We help get people established as patients there, so they have a, a treatment team that can offer some wraparound services. 
Kiki, maybe paint a picture for us in terms of what it is like to respond to an incident coming on scene. Presumably prior to the mobile support team coming into existence, it would be police, fire, medical rolling up to one of these calls. How does your work integrate with law enforcement and emergency services today? I think about this traditional approach where they were just sending out law enforcement, fire, EMS. How we're different is that we don't have an agenda and we don't have time constraints. We're able to really meet people where they're at. We're able to offer that time and attention that many people need to be heard, to feel like they're understood, and then building that relationship of trust with those people so we can also help them get connected to the different resources. We will get called out from an officer who is just at a loss of what to do. I had mentioned eviction earlier and there have been plenty of times where we have gone out people have been served an eviction notice and they have no place to go and they have no family and they have no support and our team really offers a different approach where we can make phone calls and link in with different resources or different sources of funding to make sure that they have a safe place for shelter and that they also have follow-up services after john this is josh and a question for you Earlier, you mentioned uh, jail diversion, diversion away from the emergency department. Well, we have these services. Why divert people away from them? Shouldn't we send dangerous people to jail or hurt people to the emergency room? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Get asked that a lot, actually. The costs associated with mental health and going to the emergency room or going to jail, the costs are pretty significant. So the average ED cost is $3,050 per visit. And that's that's an average, you know, and that was uh, done through our evaluation um, of our pilot program by one of our staff at PHC. And so we see significant cost savings through diversions. Over 60% of the people that we interact with stay in the environment we respond to. So where otherwise they would, you know, they would go to the emergency department and be utilizing the emergency staff and ambulance service and that, we're able to stay on scene, come up with a plan to connect them with resources, connect them with safety, like making sure they're safe in their environment and really reducing the trauma to these clients, which is really important. It's like when we're talking about meeting people where they're at, we really are trying to find something that they're coming along for the solution themselves. It's not just us coming up with something for them. Over 70% of people that are incarcerated have mental illness. So we're seeing that if we can change that cycle of what they're going through, they can be a productive person in society and really be part of their own solution by giving them resources and treating them different because we haven't done that in emergency services before. We are always solution-based. We need to take them somewhere quickly. And, and that's something this team can do different. So do you have a sense of how much money we're saving? Yeah, so actually we we had 169 emergency room diversions and 13 jail diversions saving over $250,000. Um, that was wow. through our pilot program mm. or pilot period. That's, a, stuff, that's so. incredible. And what was that period? $1. What was that time period? That was November of 2020 through June of 2021. Wow. So a quarter John, million dollars. Yeah, it is really amazing. Yeah. Are most of the folks that you are interacting with, are they people who are unhoused? No, actually, that's one of those questions we get asked a lot. Over 60% of the people are housed. 
you know, one in five Americans suffer from mental illness crisis throughout the year. And that's something that, you know, we're trying to reduce that stigma across the nation is like, this is everybody. This is our families. This is our brothers, our sisters, our friends. Somebody is suffering from a mental illness, most likely that you know that's close. And a lot of times they are housed individuals. We do work with the unhoused as well, because as a community, we're going to take care of anybody that calls in that 911 system. But it's really important to recognize that like two thirds of our clients that we're working with are housed. Any specific success story come to mind? I mean, we have so many different success stories on this team. And just thinking over the last few years that we've been part of this program, there's been a lot of wins. One that really stands out to me, there was an individual that we were coming into contact with. 911 was dispatching us. An unhoused individual um, really was struggling with alcoholism, but was very intelligent and insightful. He just was self-medicating. And it went on for, I would say, almost a year where we were consistently trying to assist him in getting help and treatment as well as getting housing. The complication with finding someone housing when they're also struggling with addiction is it's usually short-lived. We have follow-up services, which is another aspect that makes our team different is we follow up with our clients and one of our case facilitators was able to develop a really meaningful relationship, meaningful and trusting relationship with this person. Just today, she was talking on the phone with him and he's doing very well. He's been in treatment. He's sober. He looks really well. And the next step for him once he's out of treatment will be to get into housing. And that's something that has been put into place in the time that he's been in treatment. Wow, that's powerful. This is a question for Becca, building on that. So once a crisis is stabilized, how does the team connect community members to the appropriate services? I think that Kiki and John have done a really good job talking about all the great resources that we have here in Missoula. And I think what is really unique about our mobile support team is the case facilitator role, which can follow up with people after the event to connect them with the resources available in our community and get them to a place where they feel more stable. And I think the partnership between PHC and the fire department has been really helpful, kind of being able to connect people with behavioral health and medical services and social work and community health workers and tenancy support back at PHC can help stable people over that longer haul. And with that said, though, I think we all know that crises can take years to kind of develop and that as we're looking at our mobile support team as just kind of a piece in this continuum of mental health care in Missoula, and that if we want, as we start to look at some other things, I think one thing I'm really excited about is our uh, crisis receiving center, which is in the currently in our development stages, which will give another place for people to go other than the ER or jail that will be a more appropriate setting where they can stabilize better in the long term. Yeah, one thing that I've heard that's on people's minds is, has been, yeah, this sounds great in the heart of Missoula, but if I live in East Missoula, Milltown, Bonner, uh, it, up the nine mile and I'm in crisis. Yeah, yeah. What, what, uh, just looking at uh, the, the community and, and the, the radius uh, around the city of Missoula, what is your service area? We are a county resource, so it is city and county funded. We spend about between 15 and 20 percent out in the county right now. Um, those calls do take a little bit longer. We do have a higher density of calls within city limits, but when we when we get calls from county sheriff's department, if we get called from one of the other fire departments or messy that's out in the county, like we do take that as a high priority because a lot of messy times... Messy is an acronym for... Oh, Missoula Emergency Services, Inc., 
Yes, it's the ambulance service here. When we get called out there, a lot of times we recognize as a team that those other agencies usually are calling us a lot of times out of the last resort. So those those take high priority as well. And and they are a longer time frame when we respond. Those are, you know, averaging over two hours when we go out in the county. We're in town, we're about an hour and fifteen minutes when we mm. engage. Yeah, thanks. People would probably want to know how these efforts are funded, and I can answer part of that, and that we were able to get some COVID money, the federal government, early on, and use that money to help stand up the mobile support team, help get crisis receiving underway, and there are a handful of other programs uh, in the same vein that are also funded. There's also a levy on the ballot this November called the Crisis Services Levy that would create continued funding for all these efforts. And if you are interested in learning more details about that, you sure can find out at MissoulaCountyVoice.com. Well, before we close, can you share with us a good book you've read recently or a podcast or a nugget of wisdom you've come across that you could share with us and listeners? I'm really excited about this question. All right. <laughs> so I really enjoy teaching and training our clinicians in de-escalation tactics. I ran across um, a study that was done at UCLA where they talked about the importance of emotional labeling. So what they did with participants is they would measure the different activation areas of the brain while they were presenting them pictures of individuals' faces with very strong emotions. And what they initially saw was that the amygdala was lighting up, which is our fight or flight response. And in the second part of the study, they would show the participants the same photos, but at this point, they would ask them to label what emotion that they were seeing. What was very interesting to me was that when they presented that concept of let's label these emotions that we're seeing, that activation moved back into the frontal cortex which is responsible for our ability to plan, to problem solve, to think through things. By just that act of labeling the emotion, you will start to see people coming down and being able to be more reasonable and to have a conversation about what solutions are available. Wow. You wanna talk about mindsets? Oh, okay, cool. I guess I'll be the only one to answer the best. I can answer, <laughs> I can answer, answer a question. Yeah, yeah, no, no, John, yeah, anything that you've come across? I and guess, Becca, you have you can't escape oh, this. Okay. You have to share something. <laughs> yeah, I guess my uh, little nugget of wisdom. I guess I've been I've been a responder for over seventeen years professionally as a firefighter, and kind of stuck in my way of thinking and all of that. And I think with this uh, position in in the city and working with city and county and working with other agencies, recognizing like we're siloed, even if we don't think we are Mm -hmm. taking in other people's perspectives is so important and really actually listening to people and trying to understand is so important to relationships. And I think that's why, again, I feel like this program has been successful and like there's been a lot of difficult times, but it's been fun to build relationships across the city that we've never had before. And so I feel super appreciative of that and end of the team doing the work on the grounds. It's just really cool to to see a team that works so closely together in providing a customer service that hasn't been provided in this community in the past. And that's not for anybody doing anything wrong. It's just a different type of team. Is there a story or a, uh, an example where you can say, like, this is the way I used to listen, but... <laughs> Now I listen <laughs> yeah. this way. What, what, what's that look like? Yeah, yeah. I bet uh, 
Becca could probably tell <laughs> those stories. <laughs> like, you know, I guess, you know, before I used to listen with, with an opinion before I heard somebody, I would always have an answer before the words words came out. And now I, I honestly feel like I can be in a room and listen to people's opinions and and not have a judgment and and really sit and think on that and not really have a reaction. So just being emotionally intelligent a little little more than I have been in the past. I have been a hothead in the past. And so so changing that has been life changing for like my relationships from personal life to work life. I think mine actually kind of is similar to John's because I always find myself going back to that quote. I think it's what change happens at the speed of trust or mm. something like that. And I think that speaks really well to all the work that the mobile support team does, both with their patients at an individual level, like building relationships is really what you need to do to help someone move on and get hopefully find the support that they need in their community but also at the systems level like because you were talking about the police and relationships and when we first started I think that's what John and everyone else did really really well was going in and just building trust and that has been huge for the success of the program. That's so much better than the change quote that I know of. Change happens one funeral at a time, is what my grandfather always used to say. Um, so yours is way more positive. Uh, I, I was thinking just oh. to outlive the bastards. So. <laughs> well, thanks so much, all of you, for joining us. Yeah, keep up the great work. Yeah. And thanks. Great work. Uh, you guys are an asset to the community, and I hope they appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Tip of the Spear podcast. If you enjoy these conversations, it would mean a lot if you would rate and review the show on whichever podcast app you like. And if you know a friend who would like to keep up with what's happening in local government, be sure to recommend this podcast to them. The Tip of the Spear podcast is made possible with support from MCAT, better known as Missoula Community Access Television, and our staff in the Missoula County Communications Division. If you have a question or topic you'd like us to address on a future episode, email it to communications at missoulacounty.us. And to find other ways to stay up to date with what's happening at Missoula County, go to missoula.co slash county updates. And thanks for listening.